Welcome to the Go Forth podcast. I'm Don McCrabb with the United States Catholic Mission Association. Before I turn it over to Ben for this week's witness, I wanted to take a moment to offer a prayer of gratitude. O oh God, we are grateful for the witnesses who make mission come alive every week. We are grateful for our commentators who magnified mission in the Sunday readings. And we are grateful to our listeners who welcome mission into their hearts, into their lives. Thank you, O oh God, for this incredible ministry. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Friends, Christmas is a time for giving. Please give a gift of mission. Give to our Go Forth ministry. The link is in the show notes. You can always give through the USCMA website on our donate page. Together, we are building a new future for mission, taking the good news to the ends of the earth. Thank you and God bless you and your families in this holiday season. Now to Ben and our witness. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting podcast of the Go Forth program. I am your host, Ben O'Young, and with us today, I have a special guest, Mr. Stephen Rogers with the Africa Faith and Justice Network. Hello, Stephen. Hello, Ben. Thank you so much for inviting me to your great podcast, Go Forth. Thank you so much. Stephen, could you please open us up in a word of prayer? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, we want to thank you this day, 2024, for the people of Africa. We want to thank you for those who are in trouble spots. We want to thank you that you continue to restore their hope and their faith in Jesus Christ. We want to pray and ask you, Lord, that you make provision for these people, the people in Congo, the people in um, Sudan, those in the um, Democratic Republic of Congo, and the people who are going through a lot of instability in the Sahel of Africa, Lord, we ask that you continue to bless your children. Make provision for them. Heal them, who, those who are sick. Provide for the hungry people in Africa. And Lord, we ask you that you continue to bless the young people so that they can meet their full potentials. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much, Stephen. So for our listening audience, could you please share the whole purpose of the Africa Faith and Justice Network. Thank you so much, I'm Benjamin. Um, Africa Faith and Justice Network was founded in 1983. So we just celebrated our 40th anniversary last year. Our mission is grounded in the gospel and it is inspired by Catholic social teaching. AFJN, for short, which is Africa Faith and Justice Network, our mission is to educate about Africa and to advocate for just relations between the United States and the people of Africa. We work in partnership with African people as they engage in their struggle to create a just and peaceful society, to promote the common good and integrity of creation. So this partnership empowers and builds the capacity of the people, as well as the people who advocate for them. This is what we have done for 40 years through various programs that have been blessed by the Lord, including empowering women, 
including focusing on governance in places where government doesn't work and empower young people, including fighting corruption in Cameroon, including also in Liberia, where we work with the church and make sure that we work within the Catholic um, diocese to improve the quality of life of people who work within those churches. So we do a lot of work on different parts of the continent, and this is where our mission is really grounded in this, mostly Catholic social teaching. So the Catholic social teaching that you're sharing about is, the, it sounds like a huge emphasis on justice for the people of Africa. Yes, it is. And I just want to start with a quote that Pope Benedict the Sixth, late Pope, he, he emphasized, he said, the vocation of every Christian is missionary. That missionary work includes social justice. It's the end of quote. So Pope Benedict really talked about social justice as a very important mission of the church. And the Pope that we have now, Pope Francis, recently when he went to Congo, I remember him talking about Hands of Africa, where he called on foreign powers to stop plundering Africa's natural resources, what he calls the poison of the good greed. And the Holy Father, he used this opportunity when he went there to actually refocus the world's attention on the forgotten plight of the plunder of Africa's natural resources. Land grabbing was a major issue here that the Pope focused on. So social justice, as you rightly mentioned, which is part of Catholic social teaching, is really about helping people to reach their full potential, the human dignity of the person, regardless of where they were born, regardless of the circumstances under which they find themselves. And that's what the church, is, the church teaches us. That's what the Pope has emphasized on. So our mission is really to take that to those places that the Pope calls the forgotten places and to really make sure that these people reach their potential. And that's mm. what Catholic social teaching really teaches about. It's a mission. It's a call to take action beyond just the catechism, but to really take that catechism and put it into action in places where very few people are willing to do anything. And that's what the Catholic social teaching, that's what AFJM has focused on for 40 years in Africa. Wow, what a mission and what, a, what an opportunity for both the church as well as the believers in Africa, as well as the non-believers. And the reason why I'm saying that is because I, I did watch a video on Africa Faith and Justice Network. And on there, the leader there was hesitant and then started believing in AFJN. And so it's benefit for everyone, the people of Africa, the leaders of Africa, and also the church. You're right, Benjamin. So it's, it's really about that. We work in places where it's very difficult to, uh, to be able to meet some of those goals without necessarily imposing risk to ourselves and the church that we work with and the congregation that we work with. So one of the things as an emblematic of what you just said in terms of that hesitancy is, for instance, over the past six years, uh, we have really gone to the continent and focused on women religious in Africa who are moving to the public square to now do the things that traditionally nuns are not so much known for doing. So this is going to places of law enforcement, going to places of lawmaking, holding, speaking truth to power 
in Uganda, a place that you already know is a lot of dictatorship. They've done that in Nigeria, especially in some of the areas where young girls, for instance, are forced to marry at very young age, some of as young as 12 years or uh, 13 years. Um, wherein there is a human trafficking, as we have seen in Uganda, young girls being sent abroad, many of them who end up in prostitution, and in some cases they are you know, body parts, human organ trafficking. So the nuns have taken up this very uncomfortable, very risky move of actually speaking out and speaking truth to power. So these are social justice issues that we have really tried to transform, hoping to transform that space where they have now rearticulated some of their work to focus on these things because they know they don't want to come back and deal with them in the church if they can actually handle them from places where power actually lies. And this is what FJN has actually done over the past couple of years in Africa. Wow. So really bringing the dignity of the individual to the government. Important is to respect all people. Uh, and in this in the example that you just gave, so many of our wonderful ladies in the faith to fight for the faith and to defend the human dignity of the individual to the government. Yes. Amazing. So, Stephen, how did you enter into helping out AFJN? Thank you. That's a really good question. I, I was born in Sierra Leone in West Africa. Sierra Leone is a very small country. It's between Liberia and Guinea. It's about 7 million people now. I grew up there during the war period when probably we were in the news for all the bad reasons. There's a conflict, people's hands and limbs were cut off, and I survived that. I was a young man. I was a member of the youth. I was a president, actually, for the Catholic Youth Organization um, nationally. So I rose through the ranks, as we call them. So I've grown up throughout the church. I wasn't born in a Catholic family. My father was actually a non-Catholic. My mom is still practicing Muslim. But I was the first child who chose to be a Catholic, and all of my brothers after me became Catholic. So all of my life, I have been in the church, and I've met some of the greatest people, wonderful people in the church, including my best friend, who actually was really rooting for me for this job because of what he knew. Father Rocco, he's a Zavarian priest who spent most of his life in, in Sierra Leone. So we grew up, we developed a relationship, and... When I, when I finished my bachelor degree, I came here on a Catholic scholarship to the U.S. And I was in the Spiritan uh, Catholic University, which is um, Duquesne University in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And I never knew. I wanted to be a priest, to be honest. And I know a lot of times I worked on that. I remember coming to Chicago, meeting other young people who were trying to be priests. But somehow I, I didn't become a priest. But I think I had a different calling, I realized, later on in my life. So I did my PhD, went to South Africa to teach. I was so concerned about injustice. My background was in urban planning. So I focused more on helping people, especially young people who were in you know, segregated communities in, in South Africa. I was there for several years. I came back to the U.S. in 2018. And then I realized, by then I knew already what AFGM was doing. They had been doing phenomenal work. A very small office, only four full-time staff. But they do all of this work in Africa. So when there was an opening, and I was already following them, and I mean, I couldn't have found a better job. They already knew that this was the kind of thing I wanted to do here in Washington, D.C., where we can actually influence some of the things that affect Africa, but also being able to go there and actually make sure that this policy works for the people. 
So this was how uh, this mission really got into me because it really met my faith as a Catholic who has almost all of my life since I was in primary school, grown through as a Catholic school, Catholic church, but also the passion that I have as someone who wanted to do social justice in Africa. Yeah, it, it does sound like the perfect job for you. And your energy and enthusiasm, I wish our listening audience could see you because you're pumped up. You see the great need for this uh, to help out areas in Africa. So this, this was the perfect job where you could live your Catholic faith. It is. Yeah. Are, are there some stories that you have where you've seen AFJN in action that have really floored you in terms of, wow, the differences that uh, God is using you to do? Yeah, quite a lot. I think I might just recount one as um, it's a much more recent memory. I just came back from Uganda, going back to the countries that we work to really see firsthand what our work is doing, the impact it is creating. So I was in Uganda in October. And in Uganda, what we are doing, one of the work is human trafficking of young kids, mostly young girls. These are children who are anywhere from two years old to 12. They are being bought in a very poor and remote area in Uganda called the Karamoja. And then they are brought to Kampala where people buy these kids, literally, and use them to beg in the streets. And then when they are done, they sell them to somebody else. So they are used as chattels. And in the process, many of these kids disappear. Some of them get sold to other people who have even much more sinister agenda for these children. And they get lost. Now, when we went there, I went there with the sisters, a couple of the African sisters who were from the different congregations from Kenya, from Zambia, from, of course, Uganda, and then my women's coordinator here, Sister Sister Ukaria. The, the idea was to go talk to these people that no matter how bad their life was in that town, it was worse when they send their kids to Kampala, because you have, which is the capital city of Uganda, because those kids disappear. What struck me was we went to, Kamp- we went to Karamoja and we saw, we gathered all of these people, the level of poverty we stored there was so astounding that I wasn't sure how I could imp- convince these people not to send their kids to the city. Because I'm like, they couldn't have it worse than they have it here already. And there was an incident where we brought some kids that we had taken off the streets. We have rehabilitated. They were with some of the nuns. So they had been prepared to do like a skit to show these other kids what they had gone through. A very traumatizing event, as in the form of, a, you know, a small role. But as I observed these kids who were trying to dramatize some of these horrific things to these other kids who were all sitting in the ground, I saw how the kids in the village were actually envying these kids because they looked better fed, better dressed. And like, it was so difficult for them not to want to be like them, despite all of these challenges. But it speaks to what AFJN has been doing, dealing with this very difficult circumstance that how do you convince people who are so desperate, how you get them to know that no matter what the circumstances is, what they are choosing is worse. So we work with government officials, we bring them to these places, we encourage them to interact with these people, to build some of the things that they are missing, such as a school, because, and I give you one example. So this village doesn't even have school. A whole community, large community, thousands of children. They had one school that was built by the government, but they don't use. Why? 
because the school was built without taking into consideration this society's own lived experience. This is a fa- this is a society, it's a family society, but they also war, there's a lot of um, issues around security. They don't live in places where there is no fence because they are always having all these problems with other people and neighbors. So you build a school, there was no fence. So they can't send their kids there because they were so afraid that the kids might be kidnapped by the other villages. And it does happen. So these realities we are never taking into consideration. So AFGM brings these things together. Look at the local officials. Here is what the people want. If we can only do this, they will not have a need to send their children to Kampala and send them somewhere else that they get missing. It was heart-rendering because there's so much poverty. But I think the differences we made in these places was unanimous. And my final point on this, Benjamin, during a workshop where we brought all of these stakeholders, we brought you know, some of the missionaries who are working there, we brought local uh, authorities, we brought the, the, the traditional chiefs, we brought some of the victims, we even brought one who has now been rehabilitated, who helps us coordinate this together. While we were doing this, and then one of the local guys, a young man who has just been elected, who is so passionate about this cause, he came in and said, please give me one second. I have a documentary I wanted to show you. He had seen this documentary on how children were being kidnapped and how, you know, something where children were actually being sold. And he wanted to share that. The interesting thing was after sharing that thing, he found out that this documentary was actually produced by AFGN. This is something we had done to show out. We were so happy that what we had sent out there, somebody was looking at it and really using it to change lives. So there are several of these, but I just wanted to share this one moment with you. I came back to the U.S. so changed. I am an African. I've lived through poverty. The more I go to this place, the more I see that maybe my own circumstances were slightly better. So it brings me back to witnessing the gospel. That wherever you are, no matter your problems, there are people who are worse than you. You have a gift in you. And it's only recognizing that context. And I rec- I did recognize that context within me. And I said, no matter where I'm coming from, as a Sierra Union poor, I, I am much better than these young kids who have no chance in life. It really moved me. Thank you for sharing. And yeah, oh my goodness. So the joy of AFJN is that you guys can change kids' lives for the better. And this, this reminds me also of our Sunday readings, which is the epiphany of the Lord. And the kings are coming to the king of kings. The magi are coming. And the gospel reading today uh, magnifies your call to mission. Um, and this is really a perfect um, because you're talking about Matthew, Matthew 2, 1 to 12, which is the gospel. You know, we talked about the Magi, the coming of Jesus Christ. And, but Jesus Christ's coming was truly a testament to God. Christ wasn't born, as we've always been told, over and over in, in the church. And he wasn't born in a palace, right? He was born in a stable. He was born in probably the most unusual place, even by those standards, right? Those days. That's one of the things I took from the gospel is that your ability, your willingness, your, the, the agency that you have in you as a person to make a change can never be determined by where your humble beginnings. Christ had the humblest of beginnings that I have seen in my life. And think of myself coming from Africa. I don't necessarily consider myself a privileged position, but I think I am because 
nobody can be more humble than Jesus. And I really feel that it truly speaks to our work, that no matter who we are, we have a capability to do something, to change other people's lives. And we focus on the structure, the structure that keeps people in poverty, not just giving them arms. And that's what AFGN is so different. We focus on the structure because if you change what causes the problem, we wouldn't be having the problem that we have today. The, the joy of AFJN is you're trying to hit the core, the core, the central core of the problem. And if you can change the structure, you have an opportunity to make lives so much better. To the gospel reading also, too, the Magi come, they give the Holy Family gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But the, the symbolism behind those three was the gold represents royalty. The frankincense is supposed to be burnt as a sign of divinity. Absolutely. But myrrh is a sign for burial. So they knew all along that Jesus was going to have it tough, that he was going to have to sacrifice. And yet, the Holy Family knew it, and that they still fought. And I think that's what you're sharing with about Africa Faith Justice Network. You guys know it's going to be tough, but you still keep on fighting. You still keep on fighting because it's worth it for the kids. It's worth it for the structure of the culture and of the society. Yes, yes. And this is really what social justice is about. Social justice is, is about Jesus Christ never had it easy. From birth to death, he never had it easy. And that's what the gospel really teaches us. He was born in a very humble place. And even the gifts that were given to him were so symbolic about not just him being royal, which he was, and um, because he was born regardless of his place of birth, he was a royal king, he, he was chosen. But also he had all these difficulties, which the other two gifts come, Frankie says, man, especially man, as you rightly mentioned. And it speaks about his challenges, you know. He didn't live as long as probably I have, <laughs> but within that period that he lives, it's almost like eternity. He achieved so much. Now, what that speaks to me in terms of that gospel, the Mark gospel, is the fact that one, it's not just how I was born, but I was also born for a mission. I was born for a mission, and that mission is to be fulfilled regardless of how young I am. Christ immediately started his mission. He immediately started. He, in fact, most of the gospel was about how too young he was for even going to the places and telling people to stop gambling, speaking to adults in a way that was not, not necessarily, nobody was, like, was used to it, right? But the point was, he had a mission to fulfill, and he had only this time to fulfill it on earth. Of course, the rest he continues to fulfill it in his coming back. So all of us, and we as Christians, especially we at AFGN, we feel this mission that we have, it cannot be determined by our biographies, where we are coming from. It cannot be determined by how old or how young we are, or even how articulate we are in our ability to speak or to learn. Because the mission is just so important. Changing structures. And Christ focused on changing structures a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Christ spoke things that were very, very unpopular. And Christ was not, he spoke truth to power. Frankly, all of God, most of the gospel, that's what Christ was about. At the time, it was uncomfortable truth, but it was the truth. And this is where our mission comes in. What we do in Africa, whether we are focusing on land grabbing by multinationals, which by now, it's one of the major issues happening on the continent. Multinational corporations, Chinese companies going there, buying 
thousands of hectares of land from poor farmers. And these farmers now cannot even use the land to fetch water. They cannot use their land to fish. They cannot use their land to farm. And the agreements were so predatory that nobody is fighting for them. So we go there, give them this information. We tell them you have a right to their land. We tell them to speak to your government. And they go there, we prepare them how to advocate for it and to get their properties back. That's all they have. When you take their land, you bring generational poverty because they have nothing to give to their children. So there's so much poverty since this land grabbing has started. Yes, yes. And, and that was the video that I had, I had also watched about yeah. the land grabbing. And the pity of it was that, yes, it was hurting not, not only the current generation, but the future generation because the, they could not claim really a home for their own. And so what they're all doing is fighting for not just one generation, but for all future generations. It, it really has a ricochet effect. Hey, Stephen, this has been wonderful and so educational for myself, and I have no doubt for so many of our listening community. Before I let you go, is there any advice you have for our listening audience how we can support AFJN and how we can uh, be of assistance to our African brothers and sisters? Thank you so much. That's a very good question. Uh, Pope Benedict said something on the 45th World Day of Prayer for vocations which he dedicated to what he called the missionary dimension, which is a responsibility that concerns the whole Catholic Church. As part of that integrating Christian doctrine with the formation of Christian living, what does that mean? It aligns to a social doctrine, like what the church must do. Now, every Christian, every Catholic has that responsibility. AFJN is a Catholic faith-based organization. We are based in Washington, D.C., we are moved by the Spirit, and we see this as a mission of the Catholic Church, to be able to speak truth to power in Africa in a way that actually changes lives, especially people reaching their full dignity, that there is something you can do. Now, our website is there, afjn.org. We are a very small organization that does big things. We have 36 religious congregations here in the U.S. who continue to support us. Our challenge, one of them, is they are aging. You know, so sometimes the little might that they give us is what we go out there and do this work. That's why I can't even have hire more than four people here. But there is a lot of there are a lot of volunteers that we talk that we we use. There are a lot of people who come in here. Some of them donate, and some of them, you know, they can write letters. They can join our advocacy. They can add a voice to the work that we do. And there's so much that they can do. So if you go to our website, you can reach out to us, afjn.org, and see how you can volunteer. Whatever you can do. We are based in Washington, D.C., but most of our work now that we do is in Africa in the sense that we work there with the religious brothers and sisters, the religious congregations who are there. We provide information to them. We work with them. When we get any funding or donation, we go out there, we use that money to go out in the field and actually do this advocacy. So we are encouraging people to join us and as many as they can to volunteer, to donate, to add any resources that they can to actually move this um, our mission in Africa. Absolutely. And in our show notes, we'll have information about AFJN and the website, as well as how we can support them, as well as in prayer. You know, let's pray for Africa 
like Dr. Rogers did at the beginning of our show, to pray for all of the missionaries there who are trying to make a difference in this crazy world of ours. Dr. Steve, thank you so much again for your time. Again, this has been very educational. I see also you making a huge difference in ways that can help generation after generation. Thank you so much, Benjamin. Thank you so much for for actually doing this work as a mission and sharing the gospel, especially in action in some of the places in the world that not many people are able to see. Yes, Dr. Steve, and, and again, you made also a great point just now, too. Our faith in action. What can we do to act in areas which we don't might know anything about? And that's the beauty of the podcast, is that we're educating people over and over again that there are mission fields everywhere. And it's important to be a part of it and to act. Right. Dr. Steve, thank you again so much for your time. You. It's been a true blessing. And on behalf of the entire Go Forth team, let us all go forth and spread the good news. Go forth and spread the good news. Thank you and God bless you and God bless your mission. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Go Forth podcast. Give the gift of mission this Christmas. The link is in our show notes. You can also donate through our website, uscatholicmission.org. Your gift provides the vital resources we need to keep Go Forth going. Thanks to OCP for permission to use Go Out, Go Out by Curtis Stephan. We are grateful to the USTMA board, the Catholic Communications Campaign, and all those amazing people who support this ministry, like you. As we love to say, wherever you are and whatever you do, God has a mission just for you. Thank you, and God bless you. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, all your nations. Glorify Him, glorify Him, you people. Steadfast is his kindness toward us.